Binge Mode is brought to you by DirecTV Now. Live stream your favorite channels on virtually any device. Plus, you can subscribe to HBO and start watching Game of Thrones today. Warning! Binge Mode features adult content. Much like the show Game of Thrones, about which we are talking. If you watch Game of Thrones and you're fine with it, you'll probably be fine with this podcast. If not, the Ringer NBA show is very good. And now, Binge Mode. Do you think your brother's war is more important than ours? No. When dead men, and worse, come hunting for us in the night, do you think it matters who sits on the Iron Throne? No. Good. Because I want you and your wolf with us when we ride out beyond the wall tomorrow. Hello. And welcome to Binge Mode. I'm Mallory Rubin, deputy editor of TheRinger.com. Joining me today, now that he's finished explaining the thing about kings, it's Ringer staff writer and your maester, Jason Concepcion. Strong muscle mind. Stern. (laughs) Too hard to know what kind of king he'll be, but... Jason. Yeah. We promised to be merciful. Yes. We were ready to obey. Yes. We said we were going to watch all 60 episodes of Game of Thrones and deep dive into each one at a time. And today, we complete one-sixth of that journey. <laughs> yes, we've made the sixth. We're given this first season <laughs> yeah. a clean death. Yes. Requisite spoiler warning once again for all of you. We're going deep on details from the show and the books. But it's time. It's time to step into the flames and break down the season one finale, episode 10, Fire and Blood. Jason, before we bend the knee, let's quickly take a trip down our very own King's Road, give a quick refresher on everything that happens in this action-packed finale. In King's Landing, Ned Stark is dead. His head be off his body. Yorin, the Night's Watch brother who is tasked with finding recruits throughout the realm, is attempting to smuggle Arya out of the city after he's rescued her from the crowd. He cuts her hair short, has her uh, refer to herself as Ari. She's a boy now. Joffrey has been king for five minutes. He's already drunk on power. He forces Sansa to look at Ned's severed head. Cersei, meanwhile, is warming her bed sheets with the wan and pale body of Lancel Lannister. Vivid. She is with him when she learns of Jaime's capture at the hands of Rob Stark. Up in Winterfell, Bran has yet another three-eyed raven dream. He tells Osha about it, takes her down into the crypts of Winterfell, gives her a little history lesson about our our favorite girl, Lyanna, and they find Rickon and Shaggy Dog. Shaggy, 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 (laughs) Shaggy. They realize that they've been having the same dream. Osha's a little creeped out, but she's also trying to talk Bran out of thinking that anything really bad has happened. And then, of course, they emerge up at ground level. And Lewin has... The Raven Scroll. So you can tell by just the look on his face. You Devastating know, it's bad. the news of Ned's death. In the Riverlands, word of Ned's execution has reached Rob's camp. Distraught, Rob and Cat swear to kill them all. The Lannisters, they mean. Rob holds a war council with his bannermen, and the debate over whether to declare for Renly or Stannis Baratheon takes an abrupt turn when Great John Umber declares Rob the King of the North. Uh, the capture of Jamie has shaken Lord Tywin, who realizes quite quickly that they have underestimated Rob. The Lannisters are in for a long war, Tywin sees now. 
And so he decides he's got to stay in the fields, and therefore he deputizes his son Tyrion as Hand of the King. To rule. To rule. Rule. You are my son. Rule. Up at the wall. News of Ned's death has traveled everywhere, including to Castle Black. John, obviously distraught, decides to desert, to leave, to go join Rob, who wants to put a sword through Joffrey's throat. His brothers, his new brothers, Sam, Pip, and Gren, they pursue him, they track him down, and they convince him to come back and to honor his vows. Touching scene. It's beautiful. I get choked up every time. Meanwhile, in the Red Wastes, on the edge of the Dothraki Sea, Danny awakens to find that her son, Rago, has died, and Drogo has been reduced to a vegetative state. She puts him out of his misery. Mary Mazdur reveals that she is the cause of this, revenge for the sack of her village and the multiple rape and murder of her people. Danny builds a funeral pyre for Drogo, has her dragon eggs placed on it, and Miri tied to it. As the blaze reaches its roaring peak, she steps into the flames. And the next morning, when the fire has died down, Danny is there in the ashes, three baby dragons cradled to her chest. One of them suckling on her teat. Da, 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 da. Really lovely. Danny's emergence from the flames gets us right to this episode's big idea. So yeah. let's cut to the core. Stick it with the pointy end. The defining theme of the season one finale is rebirth. Two primary phoenixes in this episode are Danny and Rob, certainly. And we're gonna we're gonna start by talking about both of them. But there are numerous other characters who also undergo very important transformations, some subtle, some overt. Mm-hmm. Let's talk about Danny first, though, because it's it's hard to it's hard to really fully grasp how massive what happens here is. I mean, this is gigantic. This brings magic back into the world. This is the birth of legends before people's eyes. Um, Danny lost her baby, and she learns that the child, something was wrong with it. Monstrous, they called it. Scaled like a lizard, blind with leather wings like the wings of a bat. Or the wings of a dragon. Yes. Show me what I bought with my son's life, Danny says. He lives. You you asked for life. You paid for life. This is Miri Mazdur now talking about what's happened to, to Khal Drogo, who is a vegetable who likes to sit in the sun. The sun, he, he's... This, the warmth of the sun seems to please him, Jorah says. Um, this is terrible. And through this pain and through this loss, Danny finds a way forward. The kind of the, the terrible and tragic thing about this loss is that it is because of this that Danny becomes the thing that she needs to be. Does she know what will happen when she steps into the flame? She has probably some kind of inkling of it. She's touched the egg as it sat in the brazier. She's um, sat in that scalding hot water and felt nothing. So there's some kind of instinct that draws her into the flames. Does she know that the dragon eggs are going to hatch? No, probably not. But the flames call to her as they call to all the true dragons. And when she steps out, she is truly unburnt. She's truly reborn, the mother of dragons, unburnt. It's an amazing moment, and it'll be something that will change the course of history. Dragons are back. Dragons are back, and so is 
the king in the north because we see another transformation as well for Rob. He and his bannermen are arguing over whether to align with Renly or Stannis. Obviously, mm-hmm. remaining loyal to Joffrey is no option at all after Joffrey severed, Can't do it. separated Ned's head from his body. That's 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 a non-starter. And Rob seems to be leaning Stannis, right? He says, Bran can't be Lord of Winterfell before I am, and Renly can't be king before Stannis. Sound logic, but his bannermen aren't having any of it. Great John says, Renly Baratheon is nothing to me, nor Stannis neither. Why should they rule over me and mine from some flowery seat in the south? Mm. Unnecessary shots at Dragonstone. No flowers there at all. What do they know of the wall or the wolf's wood? Even their gods are wrong. Why shouldn't we rule ourselves again? It was the dragons we bowed to, and now the dragons are dead. Of course he's wrong. Right. They're, they're not. They're back. They're reborn this moment in time. And he says, there sits the only king I mean to bend my knee to, the king in the north. Wow. Now, let's think about Rob's journey for a second here. He began the season as a boy, yeah. laughing at the dinner feast as he watched his younger siblings throwing yep. food at each other. He had to grow up in a hurry, had to make the appointments while his mother was sulking, had to defend his house and his father, kind of because Theon sort of like gave him the courage and talked yep. him into it. I mean, that's how far he's come. He didn't, he could have just been a stopgap measure, but he became a true leader, a true ruler, and the kind of man who his followers could fully Grizzled buy men into. of the North That's would right. proclaim this boy king. He became king. And here's the thing. he They didn't really give him a choice. It's right? a very dangerous moment for Rob. Lurking below the surface is this subtext of Rob can't say no. First, you know, when, when, they, when the men rise and proclaim you king of the North, if he says no... That's it. They, his army melts away. But it's a dangerous thing because now you've basically declared treason... Whoever is the new king of Westeros will have to deal with this uh, northern uprising. What's your relationship going to be with the realm now? It doesn't matter whether it's Renly or Stannis. You're going to have to negotiate with them either your independence or your fealty. And it's complicated and it's dangerous. And Jamie's dangerous. Yeah. Jamie is still Rob's hostage. And he's reborn as well in this episode, even though it's, it's, he doesn't get much screen time. Reborn as a bit of a poet. Right. We've seen the warrior, certainly. We've seen the lover, the twincess lover. We've seen the smart-ass sibling having to go at Tyrion. We've seen even the scalded child getting lectured by Tywin in the, in the war tent. But until this conversation with Kat, we haven't really seen the thinker, right. the introvert, the soul-searcher. Cersei... Hint of vulnerability there. Absolutely. Cersei... Long ago, earlier in the season, accused Jamie of never taking anything seriously enough, right? And he does start this very conversation with Kat with some jokes, with some snide, yeah. off humor, you know, so saying he can warm her bed, how widowhood becomes her. But he turns sage in a hurry, you know, on, on when she, she talks, she brings up fearing death and he says, But I don't, my lady, the dark is coming for us all. Why grab at it? That's profound. Yeah. You know, he's talking about the gods and justice and what happened to Ned, and he says to Kat, Where were the trees when his head was getting chopped off? If your gods are real and if they're just, why is the world so full of injustice? Even when he's talking about his own worth, you know, she's talking about what's wrong in the world. She says, men like you. And he says, there are no men like me, only me. Till this point, Jamie, for our purposes, has really been living in relation to other characters, Mm -hmm. to Cersei, to his own father. This is the first time we really see him as his own man. Both Tyrion 
and Tywin have been reborn in a sense, and it's in relation to each other, the context that they view each other. Tywin is not happy about <laughs> Jamie being taken for, they have my son! <laughs> he says it breaks up an entire war meeting over this because he's got a stew over it. And really for the first time, and because he's forced to, he looks at Tyrion as an asset to the house. He has no choice, essentially, because his his uh, the son that he accepts as his real son has been taken prisoner, to, taken off the board. And Tywin looks around and thinks, okay, I don't trust the execution of this war to anyone else. I've got to be here. Who? But also, uh, Joffrey is fucking shit up royally in King's Landing, and it's clear that Cersei can't handle it. Who can I trust to send there to deal with it? Not Kevin. Kevin with an A? Not never, Kevin never. with an A. Uh, it's got to be thought. It's got to be Tyrion, who he says uh, in a really almost a, really a shocking moment. He says, "You are my son." Right. Tyrion but can't believe it either. He you know, like when he when he says, "I'm going to send you to King's Landing." Tyrion's like, "To do what? What rule? The rule. rule. You will be my hand of the king in my stead. Bring that boy king to heal his mother too, if need be." It's someone has got to handle this, and Tywin thinks that Tyrion is the only one to do it. Can't really be nice for more than like 0.5 seconds at a time, though, because he definitely also says, I always thought you were a stunted fool. <laughs> yeah, though he opens with that one. <laughs> Perhaps I was wrong. It's like, <laughs> well, you were half oh. right. <laughs> okay. But here's, here's the thing, though he, Tyrion earned this because Tywin's miscalculation yep. with not, not, perceiving Rob as a serious threat, as a as an actual equal nemesis and foe, Tyrion tried to warn him. Tyrion is the only one, first of all, who had met him in person and had taken his measure a little bit. Right. You see, and he was had the foresight to speak up in that meeting and say, I'm you know, I'm not sure. I'm new to strategy. Yeah. John, of course, is is always undergoing a rebirth of sort. Very moody. Very moody yeah. fellow. He flees, right? Understandably very upset. When Sam and Pip and Gren try to get John to j- join their barbershop quartet here, they're reciting the words in unison, making me cry, <laughs> wooing John. I think mostly he just feels bad that Sam fell. Yeah. Fell. All that padding, you know. <laughs> but he thought he had just made the choice that Eamon was talking to him about last episode. He thought he made that choice when he left. But this is actually when he makes it, when he decides to go back. Well, he found his family. You know, these here are the people that want you, John. Right. Exactly. want to be your family. And they say that. John yeah. says, I belong with my brother. That's right. And they say, but we're your brothers now. It's it's really beautiful. And yeah. especially given John's emotional roller coaster with what he thought the, right. the, the Night's Watch was going to be and then what he discovered that it was, you know, these, these lowlifes, yeah. to find people here who he actually cares about and who yeah. he, he thinks cares about him, that's really nice. And they seal this moment by the, the same way that Mormon tried to seal his bond with John, right? Giving him Longclaw. John, like Jorah before him, was kind enough in his moment of desertion to leave the sword behind. They bring it back. They give it to him. It becomes sort of one of the, the main symbols of his new identity and his new life. There's this great moment with Mormont, too, when he says to John, Honor made you leave. Honor brought you back. Yeah. And John says, my friends brought me back. And Mormon says, I didn't say it was your honor. And this is the difference between Mormont and many of the people, <laughs> many of the characters on the show that we consider like really 
good leaders and Stannis, who will be introduced next season. Stannis would not let a thing like this slide. He no. was extremely what stern. What would he cut off? He would this? cut something off. And in this this moment shows you that there's more to leading and ruling than just the rules. Absolutely. And Mormont, he... There's always been a leader, but in this moment, he's reborn as a true leader in our eyes. It's the first yeah. time we as viewers have really seen this. And he gives a, a doozy of a speech, oh, right? Yeah. He says, do you think your brother's war is more important than ours? And John says no. And then when dead men <laughs> yeah. and worse come hunting for us in the night, do you think it matters who sits on the Iron Throne? What can John say to that? But yeah. no. And then Mormon continues, Good, because I want you and your wolf with us when we ride out beyond the wall tomorrow. I'll not sit meekly by and wait for the snows. I mean to find out what's happening. The Night's Watch will ride in force against the wildlings, the White Walkers, and whatever else is out there. This is a declaration of intent. John is all in. Yep. He commits in that moment to re be reborn fully as a brother of the Night's Watch. And here's the other awesome thing now at this moment in time, right now. 2017, when we're, we're doing this binge watch, the season seven trailer recently dropped. This speech is the season seven trailer. It's petty human yeah. squabbles and then a hammer of a reminder the existential at the end crisis. that none of that shit matters. It's about the White Walkers. Go get them. Go find them. Let's figure this out. Historical context for the for more months. Uh, coming ranging it's the largest ranging in living memory at that time amazing considering how few people they have yeah. they just went at All it in. with everything they had All which wasn't in. much but was everything to them someone else who doesn't have much oh oh sansa oh, oh, oh sansa some great uh crushed facial acting yes like she just looks fucking devastated they do it they do a good i have just been crying yeah. eye makeup thing yeah. with her it's very affecting among the most extreme evolutions and rebirths of season one is is sansa's because she was a silly girl who wanted to marry a golden-haired lion and give him <laughs> lots of babies right and now she's found not only her bullshit detector but her yep. ferocity and she has courage for the first time she didn't even have courage to stand up really for right. for to her her own family members before and now she's standing up to the king it's who eerie, just killed her father and it's an eerie moment to watch this kind of mask fall over her face mm -hmm. as he's forcing her to look upon the head of her father yes uh and he says you know look at it and she says something like you know how well how long would you like me to look your grace as long and as it, it sh and me. it shakes him like oh whoa He's flustered. He's, He's flustered thrown. because he wants to cause pain, and when he can't, he doesn't know what to do. Right. He wants to have the effect, the desired effect, and she's not giving him that satisfaction. And then she she goes one step further. He promises to give her <clears throat> Rob's head, and yeah. she says, or maybe he'll give me yours. And he has no comeback for this. This is like an incredible moment, yeah. right? I mean, think about the person who's saying this, the yeah. things that she's done and, and not done over the course of the season because she didn't have No one's come strength. farther. No, it's it's really incredible. She, I mean, she takes a, a physical step, yeah. literally, toward him. Some debate about whether she was maybe 
so desperate and, and, and forlorn that she was considering actually throwing herself over the edge of this walkway or whether she was actually making a move to push Joffrey. Mm-hmm. But regardless, that, that just that one moment is a physical manifestation yep. of the progress that she's made and the strides that she's taken. And the Hound, you know, he stops her. He gives her a little handkerchief. It's a yeah. tiny, tiny sign of a rebirth for him as right. well because he's showing some tenderness. You know, he gives her some advice. Save yourself some pain, girl. Give him what he wants. Not the best advice, but yeah. he's he's trying. And then, you know, Arya, Sansa's sister, reborn as Arya the orphan boy. You know, Yorin helps her assume this new identity. She meets Gendry, also being reborn now that his his master, his yeah. armor's master, no longer wants him. This then. is Castle Forge Steel. Hey, guys. Just a quick break to tell you about our sponsor. Binge Mode is brought to you by DirecTV Now. Live stream your favorite channels on virtually any device. Plus... You can subscribe to HBO and start watching Game of Thrones today. And now, back to binge mode. And then, of course, there's Bran. On his way to being reborn as uh, something of a magical being, right? We see this three-eyed raven dream. It comes true. Ned is dead. Rickon has had the same dream. What is going on with these Stark kids, man? Something special. Oh, and then there is the Pale Lancel. Reborn all of a sudden is this virile... Sex god. And a comedian. Yeah, a real this, comedian. He's got such a great line to Cersei in this. I can't believe we're at war. Was it this exciting the last time when you were young? <laughs> when you were young yeah. is just such a savage bird. It's sa- it, it would have been much more savage had Lancel understood that that's what he was doing, but he's clearly too naive to know what the hell he was talking about. More wine? More wine? All right, Maester. Let's go. We may be at war, but let's not lie awake at night fearing Varys's gash. <laughs> let's assemble the conclave. <laughs> let's head to the Citadel. Teach us everything we need to know about the history of the King in the North, because this is a thing now. It makes sense that the King in the North the position of King of the North would be revised as dragons are reborn into the world because it was the dragons that that ended the kings in the North. Um, before the coming of the Targaryens, the North, like all the other regions of Westeros, were independent kingdoms. Uh, the Starks ruled in the North, and the Starks are the most ancient of the great houses. They can trace their lineage all the way back to the Age of Heroes and the possibly legendary Bran the Builder, who, if the tales are to be believed, built some pretty good stuff out there. He built the Wall, he built Winterfell, he built Storm's End, and he built Hightower in Old Town, if the stories are to be believed. Um, in the ancient time, the North, like all these other areas of Westeros, were made up of petty kingdoms squabbling amongst themselves. Outside of the Starks, the most notable being the Barrow Kings of Barrowtown and the Red Kings of House Bolton. Mm. Over centuries and centuries and centuries of warfare, the Starks reduced all these other... Um, petty kingdoms to vassal status or else exterminated them totally. <clears throat> the Barrow Kings, for instance, are gone. The war against them was known as the Thousand Years' War, even though the historical record indicates it likely only lasted two centuries. The Boltons... Fuck those guys. Fuck those guys. And they've been a threat to the Starks at numerous points throughout the centuries. It's said that the animosity between these two houses goes all the way back to the Long Night Numerous Boltons have sacked Winterfell over the years, have flayed Starks over the years. 
King Royce Bolton and his descendant Royce Red Arm Bolton, so-called because he liked to shove his arm up into the bellies of his victims. Yeah, these Boltons. As one does. As one does. These Boltons are not cool dudes. Both of those guys sacked Winterfell, and it's been said that there were numerous Bolton kings who wore cloaks made of Stark princes, their skin. Uh, Stark skin probably uh, hangs in the Dreadfort and has for many centuries. The last Bolton (laughs) king was Rogar the Huntsman. And he swore strong name. It, they had good names, though. That's the thing about the Boltons. He swore <laughs> he swore fealty to Winterfell sometime around the Andal invasion, and the Stark kings in the north resisted every attempt by the Andals to invade their their kingdom, as well as throwing back the Ironborn, the forces of the Vale, and the occasional wildling uprising. It would take Aegon, his sister wives, and of course the three dragons to finally get the Stark <laughs> to kneel. After Aegon had subjugated the Riverlands, the Stormlands, and basically destroyed the vast Southron armies at the Battle of the Field of Fire, uh, King Torrin Stark had marched south with 30,000 men, and he had heard these tales, and it obviously sounded quite ominous for him. His half-brother, half-bastard half-brother Brandon Snow, had offered to sneak into the Targaryen camp and, and kill the dragons. Torrin thought the better of it. <laughs> and as mes- messages were passed back and forth, Targaryen and the Stark camp, and eventually Torrin decided that he would kneel. Knelt at the feet of Aegon the Conqueror, took off the crown. No one's quite sure what happened to the crown, and thus did the kings of the north pass into history until King Rob Sark, the king in the north. All right, Maester, yeah. as much as we'd like to kill them all with you and with Rob, it is time to head to the Sept, to bathe in the light of the Seven. We're going to share seven of our favorite insights and observations and hindsight nuggets from this season one finale. You go first. What's number one? The Great John's line, it was the dragons that we bowed to. Now the dragons are dead. Now they aren't. He's wrong about that. But this highlights an interesting detail. Had some other house been the house to overthrow the Targaryens and not Robert, who the Starks had a close relationship with, I think it's likely the King in the North position would have been uh, revived a lot earlier. There's not much holding them to the rest of the realm. Not much holding uh, the Great John's fingers onto his hand either. Bloody tough. Number two, Theon. That (laughs) fucking piece of garbage. Uh... When everyone is swearing their swords to Rob, you got your Great John umber. You got your Glovers in there. Yeah. And then fucking Theon steps up and says, am I your brother? <laughs> now and always. Are you? I don't know. Are you? What the fuck? Like, here's the thing. He doesn't have to say that. Yeah. He doesn't have he just, to This do guy that. lays it on, man. Man. Number three. Some great stealth character appearances yes. in this episode. Uh, if you watch that that um, conclave of northern lords proclaiming Rob King. You can see the stout woman sitting there is Lyanna Mormont's mother, Mage. Um, and then there's, of course, Jacken in the cage with Rorge and Biter. Number four. When Bran and Osha are down in the crypts and he's given mm. her he's given her this history lesson. And when they pass Lyanna's statue, he says, 
Rhaegar Targaryen kidnapped her. Yet another mention of Rhaegar, yet another mention of Lyanna, of this fabled kidnapping, this apocryphal tale that is basically just considered fact, the, the word of the land. And to hear it brought up this casually, this subtly, just in the course of a little stroll through the crypts, is an interesting reminder that everybody thinks this is true. One of the great things about this story, these stories, is um, the way various points of view can be true all at once. Miri Mazdur, after she's confronted with the things that she's done to Danny, Danny says, my child was innocent of Rago, who's now dead. Um, and Miri Mazdur says, innocent, he would have been the stallion who mounts the world. Now he'll burn no cities. Now his calisar will trample no cities into dust. She's right. Right. She's right about that. She's right, but she's also not giving Danny any right. credit. Because it's like, why can, how come only the male heir can be perceived as a threat? Why isn't Danny a threat? This is a mistake that people will make. Everybody, yep. many people will underestimate Danny just because she doesn't have that little worm between her legs right. that Cersei likes to talk about. Number six. <laughs> Little we 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 broke down the Tywin Tyrion exchange pretty right. thoroughly, but there was one thing we didn't mention, and that's that's Tywin's loving sign off, which is not <laughs> "I believe in you, son," or "I know you're going to do great," or "Watch out for the bull, Brown." Right. It's oh, one more thing: you will not take that whore to court. Now, few things here. One, she has a name. Yeah. She goes on to point this out to Tyrion when he's telling her about this. Says, he he used my name? He said Shay? It's like, well, no. He he called you, he called he you, called the you whore. a whore. The whore. Yeah, he was not super polite about it. Of course, people who have watched all of Game of Thrones know that... It's projection a little bit here from Tywin, I think. Not really practicing what he preaches. <laughs> we'll leave it there for now, but See, this is one to watch. Right. Jason... It's the finale. Yeah. It's the final, the seven of season one. And we need something special here. So, I, you know, no pressure. But what do you have for us here at number seven? I love Grandmeister Pycelle's little speech to Roz. Post-coital speech as Roz is taking a literal whore's bath. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Grandmeister P uh, <laughs> takes a little uh, discourse excursion into... The various kings that he has served. He said, one thing is, truly known more kings than any man alive. I know how to serve them. Yeah. That's a good point. He's a good man. Such a charmer. I love that. I just love it. I love anything. Good character study. He has a, he has fantastic. the measure of, of Ares and Robert. His line really about does. Robert is pretty good about a, yeah. yeah, give us good. that. <laughs> Powerful man. Great warrior. But alas, winning a kingdom and ruling a kingdom are rather different things. They say that if a man goes through life with battle visor down, he can often be blind to the enemies at his side. <laughs> This is uh, Meister Pycelle being tricky. You know, the position of working in King's Landing in an administrative administrative position is dangerous, and he survived this long for a reason. He understands that when you tell something to a prostitute after sex, those things will very often get out. 
I like to you say after sex as yeah. opposed to like, well, you know, after. You know, Littlefinger employs whores for a reason, and these stories will get out. It's it's a pretty good look for him if he is heard to be praising the new king. This right. great, great, greatness in this young man, you know. Oh, Jason, our maester. The lion ripped Robert's balls off. <laughs> yes. And the boar did all the rest. But before the boar does all the rest right. to us, let's crown the finale's champion. We're honoring the person who played the game, advanced his or her cause the most. This week, we can only make one choice, as much as we would like to give it to Jason for his voice work. The winner is... Danny, the unburnt, the yeah. mother of dragons. Uh, when you bring dragons back into the world, you win. That's it. Period. It's pretty much that simple. It's, it's pretty much that simple. That simple. Though, as you note, an achievement before that point, the Dothraki, many of them, not all of them, but right. many of them stayed. Everyone could have left her. A shocking number of them did stay. Uh and this is big because the Dothrakis only follow strength. So there's something about Danny, even before the eggs hatched, that people feel is strong, is worth following. And I think this is notable. And to, even you know to this day, when you watch scenes from season six, whenever they show Danny at court, you'll see Dothraki there. Her still, her blood riders are with her. She gives Jorah a little peck on the cheek God. in this one takes him out of the friend zone for about 0.3 seconds there yeah. it's a beautiful moment i will say as wonderful as this episode is for danny in the sense that she now has dragons she did have to smother her own husband to death with a pillow yes. which was that was not Sad. yeah that's probably not something that she uh she wants to be listed among her achievements as the winner of our champion's purse more alarmingly perhaps because ultimately that is done out of compassion and love and and pragmatism. Yeah. One real warning sign here, heavy, heavy shades of daddy's burn them all issue when she decides to tie Mary Mazdor to Drogo's funeral pier. You will not hear me scream. That's right. I will. Madness uh, runs in the blood of the Targaryens, and that's just something that you're going to have to deal with when you... Uh, when you deal with them, I'm sure that it will pop up again. It should think. should Danny have more children? Somewhere down the line, some of them are going to be insane. That's just how it is with the Targaryens. Okay, friends, that is a wrap on season one. We prefer both our fingers and our tongues, and we're glad that we made it out of the first <laughs> season with all of our appendages attached. We sincerely hope that you enjoyed this experience. We had a blast doing this. We will be back. We will be back oh, will. in one week with season two. All 10 of those episodes will drop at once. Please join us. Get ready for season two, episode one, The North Remembers, and then the other nine episodes of season two that are coming right after that. Until then, the thing you have to understand about kings is... Big thanks to our producer and liege lord, Zach Mack, to the protector of our realm, Bill Simmons, to our lord commander, Colin Orcutt, the first of his name, Joe Fuentes, and of course, of course, 
to the Archmaester of our hearts. Yes. George R.R. R. Martin. Thanks to everyone who made Binge Mode possible.